0: Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, Rita Belder. Now, I had the privilege of meeting Rita at a Spartan race through a friend of mine, and we kind of hit it off, started talking. And I learned a little bit about her story and was really impressed with some of the things that she's overcome. Not only is she a businesswoman, she's also a certified personal trainer. She has her SGX coaching certificate. And in addition to all that, she wears the most important title, which is mom. And over the course of getting to know her and know a little bit about her story, I think you'll come to understand how much that title means to her over the course of today's show. So Rita, thanks for being on. I appreciate it.
1: Hi, Jason. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you a little less nervous now? Yes.
1: Feel <laughs> a little more comfortable. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. So let's just start at the beginning. And, you know, I think one of the things that uh, is always interesting to me and others is, you know, you see people where they are today and it's like, okay, well, there they are, but you don't see what helped them get to where they are, right? we don't see the history. We don't see the past. We don't see the things that they experienced. And so one of the things I like to do is kind of get a snapshot of where you're from, where you grew up. And so maybe you could start there. Tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're born, where you spent your childhood and some of the things you experienced growing up.
1: Okay. Well, I was born in Chicago. Um, both of my parents are from Sicily. So I was raised um, very hardcore old school. And <laughs> that's like the only, if people come from, you know, ethnic parents, they understand the hardcore old school.
0: So when you say moved from Sicily, they immigrated from Sicily to, to Chicago, Chicago. Yes. Okay. Wow.
1: So I was born there and then they moved to Arizona. They couldn't handle the cold weather.
0: Yeah. That's a, yeah, definitely. A little so chilly I, I grew there.
1: up in Arizona mostly, so. Um, but it was raised as if I was still in Italy. Mm-hmm. So it made it, you know, a little awkward for me to mesh with kids sometimes.
0: So give us some color around that. What does that look like being the child of two Sicilian parents, right?
1: Well, I mean, they're, uh, they were very strict. I was never allowed to go anywhere and do anything <laughs> unless they knew exactly who and where and what I was doing at all times. Really? Yeah.
0: And then was that just because you're female? No. Or is that just the way it was? That was just how
1: it was. Like okay. for me to go out was like, kids aren't supposed to go out you know they're supposed to stay home with their families and you know so my expectation was to you know marry an Italian Catholic like them and (laughs) anything outside of that wasn't good enough.
0: Yeah I asked that question because uh, my wife's Italian which you know and in her household you know the boys get special treatment you know so I was curious if, if they were just harder on you because you're a female.
1: I would have to agree with you there, actually. Yeah. <laughs> my, brother, my brother had it a little bit easier than I did. Yeah. oh, well, he had it easier than my sister and I both did. But um, we all, we all we're always pretty strict, though. Yeah. I think all ethnic families seem to cherish the boys a little bit. Mm-hmm. Every, I have a lot of friends of different ethnicities, and they all say the same thing.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that. I'm, I've always wondered why that, why that is. Any insights I don't there? I no? no, because
1: oh, I, I think it's because they carry on the family name.
0: Right, right. Traditionally. Yes, yeah.
1: traditionally, yeah. you know, they're the men, you know, yeah. they carry on the family name and I guess.
0: They bring they don't bring the trouble home. <laughs> they Apparently just go not. out and create it right. <laughs> and leave it somewhere else. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so you went to school here in Phoenix then? Yes.
1: I went to um I went to Moon Valley High School. right on. Yeah. Graduated in ninety. Nice. Yeah. Can't believe that's been thirty years already. I know, right. I don't feel that old, but Well, you don't look that old either. Well, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> Um, well, when you take care of yourself, that helps.
0: It definitely helps. Absolutely. So,
1: um, yeah, I went to Moon Valley High School. I ran track four years, enjoyed it, went to state my senior year in, um, sprint races, high hurdles, four by one relay, hundred meter dash. All you did high of hurdles? Stuff. I did.
0: What are you like, four feet tall or something yeah. over there? I have thank you. <laughs>
1: uh, but I have some hop. You got some hop, you got some hop. When you're, when you're petite, you're, you have a little bit more limber. Right. Right. So you can, you can jump a little higher.
0: That's cool. So were you, were you always involved with sports or was that something yeah, that came Yeah, up until later? my
1: senior year. No, I did my, I played soccer mm-hmm. up until high school and then I did track. Right. So, and then that was
0: it. And your parents were cool with you being out of the house as long as you were doing something. Well,
1: my dad was my soccer coach.
0: Oh, okay. So. Well, soccer, of course, right? Yes. Yeah. That's, you know, that's cultural, right? Right.
1: We all played soccer. And to play soccer. So and he was my coach. So it was okay. Right. And then in high school I mean my high school is like a quarter mile away, so they could they would go to my practices and go to my meets. Mm-hmm. They always knew where I was at, at all times. Right,
0: right. And keeping tabs. Yes. But when it came to going out with the kids, that wasn't allowed.
1: Oh, no. I was out out once a week.
0: Once a week, really.
1: I was I was allowed to go only go out with my friends once a week. And um, if I wanted to go out more than that I had to take my brother and sister with me.
0: Were they really strict around the whole dating thing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How did that <laughs> What well, what was the <laughs> well, first thing? Like I Experience said they um
1: like- Actually, so it, technically my first boyfriend in high school was Italian. Okay. So that was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we dated for like a year or whatever, and then we broke up, and that was like mortifying for my mother. We broke up. Oh, really? Yes. Because, for your mom? Why, why for well, your mom? because it was just like, you know, my dad was more laid back and easier going, and my mom was, she was the protective one. Okay. So that's just how they were raised, you know? It's like, you know. Whoever you start dating, they, they don't think that you should be dating lots of people, you know? Sure. As kids, like, whoever you start dating, they all start dating most of their, you know, most of the people they're married to, they started dating young. 16, 17, they would get married young. So they just tried to bring on that culture. Well, that wasn't the case. And I, I have to remind my mother we're in America. <laughs> it doesn't work that way.
0: No, were, were your parents an arranged marriage by No, chance? they were not. I was going to say, my, my, my wife's parents were. Yeah. From southern Italy and they were an arranged marriage, which I thought was just It's crazy. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I didn't understand it. like even in this day and age there's still arranged marriages happening around the world, which is there interesting is. to me. Yeah.
1: It's crazy. I don't I don't understand it by any means.
0: I guess there's some wisdom in it though, you know, like you you know, when you have people close to you, they see certain traits in people that maybe you can't when you're, you know, in that loving sort of embrace kind of a thing, you know. Right. I think that's one of the reasons that it has survived all these years in some cultures
1: right no it's true i mean you have a respect and um there's like a respect and a dignity they didn't believe in you know falling in love with people you you fall in love with the person who takes care of you sure it's not like how you see in the movies my parents used to always say that's not real you know it's not right no it's it's not not. it's
0: (laughs) complete horse shit no exactly you're absolutely right
1: and like you just, as long as you can respect the person you're with, take care of you and respect each other, that's enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like something I think that they just expect that's going to grow on you or grow with time. Right. You know, that's the initial attraction is always going to wear off at some point, you know? And so what are you left with at that point? It's like, okay, well, I saw these values or I saw this, you know, this vision or I saw the, this person doing great things for you or with you, you know, even though, maybe you couldn't see that because you were blinded by the way you felt about them in the moment. So right. having that third party, I don't know, it just seems like it makes some sense.
1: No, I mean, as long as does. you have final say,
0: right? Right. So <laughs> as as you have veto powers,
1: right? I mean, my parents have been a great example for me. I mean, they've been married 49 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've seen them fight. We've seen them do that. And we're like, how do you guys do it? Like, what are we supposed to do? You know, you're supposed to work hard for it. Are we supposed to just get divorced if it doesn't work out? that's not That's not commitment,
0: no, it's not. I just wrote about this today actually, on my instagram uh, you know it's it is work right It's about it staying in the fight and it's about who can endure in some of those moments where you really don't want to when your parents came over did they what did they do like you know like when my when I talked to my wife about her parents coming over. I always wondered how they transitioned into what they did. Like her father worked in construction and did cement. And then her mom started doing anything she could and ultimately saved up money and started a restaurant and owned her own business and now rental properties. And I always wondered about that transition. You know, what did your parents do when they when they came to Chicago?
1: My mom actually went to beauty school when she was in Italy, young. So they did schooling very young back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. and she came to Arizona, not Arizona, sorry, Chicago when she was 17, mm-hmm. and she opened a salon because she knew i to do hair. And my parents, you know, my grandparents were like, we'll open up a salon and we'll do that. So she did hair from very early on in her life. She had her own salon. And then she, um, half of her family lived in Sicily and half lived here in Chicago. And so they would go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Along the way, she met my father in the back and forth in Italy, moved him to Chicago. And, you know, they got married and. And he would just take whatever jobs he could get, like working in factories. Um, he worked in a few different types of factories. He worked landscaping with my uncle at one point. I mean, they just did whatever. They're workhorses. Like, mm. they, that's just their, they have strong work ethic. You just do whatever you have to do, two or three jobs, whatever it takes to take care of your family. Mm. So that's how, um, that's how they did it. Right. So my mom worked, you know, as a full-time hairdresser. When she went to Arizona, she, um, she just worked for somebody. She, she decided she didn't want to open her own salon. She just worked for somebody else. And, but they both worked really hard. My parents have always worked very hard to make sure that we had everything we needed.
0: And so how did that impact you seeing that growing up, you know, being surrounded by people who are so, you know, dead set on getting things done and having that work ethic?
1: Well, definitely, uh, I definitely inherited that trait. I worked, I worked very hard, you know, I had to work hard in school, um, my parents, you know, didn't go to school in America. So I had to, nobody could help me with my homework. You know, I had to do all that stuff myself. And they were educated, but in Italy, you know, didn't, I mean, math is math, you know, Spanish, smash. but, you know, America has a certain way of doing things. You know, there's different ways to do all that. So I had to learn how to get through school all by myself. And I had to help my brother and my sister get through school. And I had to, I had to be that person. I was kind of like the you know like the second mom to my brother and sister i'm the oldest okay you know so um i had to help them get through school and help them with their homework and all that stuff but um and i worked and my parents just had high expectations of us you know we had to get good grades and we had to fight for everything we had mm-hmm. it wasn't just handed to us right so i mean my parents took care of us but we had to work for everything
0: Yeah. I've I've always wondered like the correlation between that mentality and then sport, you know, because you said you're, you're always involved in sport in some way, shape or form, you know, so, you know, taking that work ethic, you know, obviously out of the house and into the fields or, or into sport, it seems just, it's kind of a natural progression.
1: Yeah. Well, my dad was like, you know, from Italy, they're all about soccer. Right. So we all played soccer and my dad was our coach always. Mm -hmm. And he coached me and my brother's team at the time. My sister's eight years younger. So she came along later you was know, he the
0: only guy in town that knew anything about soccer at that Really,
1: actually. <laughs> he was the loudest coach out there on the fields, that's for sure. He was the most passionate one. Right. Um, so um, up until that point that I didn't want to play soccer anymore, that's when I started doing track. Mm-hmm. But, so I had, we had to do something you know, that, that was part of building character for us.
0: Yeah, and staying out of trouble.
1: Yeah, definitely. Keeping yeah. us busy, you know, school, sports, something, kept us out of trouble for the most part.
0: Right on. Did you continue sport after high school?
1: I did not. What I happened? I did not do anything for 20 years.
0: Really? For 20 years? For
1: 20 years. I got married to my first husband, Italian Catholic boy, mm-hmm. you know, fam, you know, within the circle of Italian people. Right. And you know, I got to meet one of the boys. It wasn't arranged, but, you know, they introduced us, you know? <laughs> we liked each other. And I like
0: the way you said that. And They, they introduced us. us. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, With no expectation, of course, right?
1: Well, you know, I'm sure there was some, but I, like, I guess it, was, um, it wasn't it horrible. You know, sure. I liked him. It was cool. And I was raised, you know, I wasn't raised in a very lovey-dovey family. My parents were always loving to us and stuff, but there wasn't like the holding hands and the kissing and the smoochies. And it wasn't like that, but my parents always got along and took care of us. And so... I, figured that's how, you know, it is. Right. So we, I, most of us to get married was, um, couldn't leave the house until you got married.
0: Oh, is that what it was? Yes. Yeah. You're, you're getting out of the house.
1: So that might've been a little bit of a nudge for me to, you know, he's like, you want to get married? I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was five years older than me. So it was, it's kind of cool having the older guy and, right. you know, boost of ego and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that, that went on for four years and, as I matured I decided I realized that I wasn't in love. Like I felt like there should be more than just the, the respect and liking each other and mm-hmm. so um
0: Were you young when you guys got married? I was twenty one. Okay, yeah, so pretty young.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah. they got married back in the day, you know, eighteen, you know, nineteen, but
0: Yeah. My parents were nineteen, I think, when they got married. I think my dad got married one weekend and turned nineteen the next, I think. I have to hear him tell the story. But yeah, it was young. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I thought it was too young, but at the time I was, I thought it was the thing, you know, you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to get married and have babies and you know, just the way it works. go on the routine.
0: Yeah. That's how it wasn't the town I grew up in. But what if like, what if your kids came home today at 21 and said they were going to get married? How would you feel about that? Uh,
1: I wouldn't really be thrilled about that. <laughs> I always tell my kids, I said, uh, listen, wait till you're like 26. Cause yeah. I feel like I always say, and I feel like I've seen that you change the most between 22 and 26. And I feel like you're finished with college. You have that time to like, you know, work, party, have a good time, realize, you know, get out in the world and realize what you really want. Mm -hmm. And You don't feel like you're not settling.
0: Yeah. Well, your brain isn't even fully formed until you're like 25, 26, depending on what study you read. So I mean, you're still not making, you know, the best decisions at that point in your life.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, I have, uh, my stepdaughter got married uh, a year and a half ago. She was 25. She's close to a good age. Yeah, Yeah. she's twenty five, and I love her husband. So she she made a good choice. Nice. So and she's you know, she's hardworking. You know, general manager for Jimmy John's. You know, her husband has a great job with Chase. So they've got their heads on straight, and they've been together for a long time. And I told her, I said, "You sure you want to do this? You know, and don't rush into it. It's okay, you know." But they got married, and we were fully supportive, and they're a great couple.
0: Right. Right. So, what did you end up ending your first marriage?
1: My first marriage is because, um, like I said, I they want he wanted to start having kids, and I wasn't I wasn't committed.
0: You weren't ready for that. Yeah. I didn't
1: want to have babies, and I guess I didn't. I feel like to have babies, you need to be fully committed to that person.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: And I just didn't feel it, and I didn't. The more I thought about having babies with him, I was like, oh my gosh, it was giving me anxiety. Yeah, and I'm not that person. Is, I don't get anxiety.
0: Is that what you what caused you to realize you made maybe a mistake yes. in the marriage in the first place? Right. You weren't willing to have children.
1: I wanted children, just not with him. Not with him, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a huge, huge step for me. And we um, just we came from we were just different people, mm-hmm. and uh, being an Italian Catholic just wasn't cutting it. Right. It's not enough. Yeah. So um, it's it was also had to be like a family connections too. Like we're also close knit. So I just uh, was the first person in my family to get divorced, so that was, that was huge.
0: How'd that go over? Not very well. I'm guessing like a lead balloon.
1: Yeah, that was not a good, it was, uh, because my parents were like, you know, what are people going to think, and my gosh, and people are going to think of you bad, and I said, I can't live like this, I don't want to be miserable my whole life.
0: Well, that takes a lot of strength, though, I mean, to go against the grain, especially something as, as deeply embedded in culture, Right, right. And then, you know, something as quote unquote taboo as divorce, you know, right. like, how did you deal with that? Or did you just always know that you were going to be your own person?
1: I didn't think I was going to be able to go through with it, honestly. Yeah. I didn't. I, uh, I, thought I was just going to deal with it.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. You're just going to eat shit and smile for your entire lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: then it just came to a point where I just couldn't anymore. Yeah. So I was like, I can't do that. I was, I was, it was making me sick, mm. you know, when, uh, I was actually was getting depressed and. I was very unhappy, and it w- I wasn't me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to lose who I was, just to conform to everybody else. Right. I was always had a strong personality, and at that point, I just I said, okay, I just gotta you know, do or die. So I just did it. I was like, I can't do it anymore.
0: That's amazing. What was the What was the ultimate fallout? Was it as bad as you thought it would be, or not so much?
1: Um, it was very it was very hard for my mother to grasp and it, it caused a big rift between us for a long time because mm-hmm. she was, you know, now I'm here this daughter who's single and, you know, who's a divorcee. Oh, who's, you're damaged who's goods, gonna, Right, exactly. Who's yeah. going to want me now? Right. So, and it's, you know, obviously that's not normal mentality nowadays. Sure. But that's how they were raised. It's not her fault. Right. That's just, that's all she knew. Sure. So, um then you know not to it was pretty quickly when i met my my husband michael now Mm -hmm. and uh that was that was hard i mean she loves my husband now but uh you know married a russian jew with a child (laughs) so uh, the italian catholic husband for a russian jew (laughs) with a kid
0: that's like the antithesis of everything that, uh, that they would expect for you right
1: right but uh Michael's always been a wonderful, you know, good, strong person. Like he really is everything that my parents wanted for husbands for us. Mm -hmm. Strong, you know, strong, hardworking, you know, very respectful for family, you know, to the family. And, um, but that was, that was years in the making of getting used to that idea.
0: So what did you see in Michael when you met him? Obviously you said it was fairly quickly after the old relationship. You must have known something. We
1: were, we were well. I was friends with him.
0: Oh, you knew him prior. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I was friends with him. He had opened up a flooring business down the street, down the same uh, plaza mm-hmm. that I did hair. So we were friends. And funny thing is, he was telling me to go get. A, um, you should go to you should go to therapy, counseling, and try to save your marriage because he was raised the same. He's actually from the Ukraine, mm-hmm. so he was raised with the same type of ethnicity and you should try to make it work all this other stuff and I was like, yeah, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. So, he was actually trying to help me save my marriage, <laughs> which is funny, but we we clicked. We we clicked as friends right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And then um after I got divorced, uh he was he was very helpful helping me regain, you know, it's all good, don't worry. You know, things will get better with your family. I get it. I come from a family that's like that. You know, Russian Jews are they're hardcore too, just like Italian Catholics, man, right. so uh it's like you know if you show your family that you're strong and you're surviving they're going to accept this and and i just i I fell in love with that, mm-hmm. you know that he was just a strong you know we had a lot of energy, connected energy and um I never felt that before ever with anyone so it was it was pretty quickly when i just when I finally had come over the you know the hardship of doing what I did that I was like, wow, this is going to be okay.
0: Yeah. It sounds like he was kind of your anchor in that moment.
1: Yeah, he was, you know, and he even said, he's like, you need to get out there have a good time now and all this stuff. And I really wasn't, that wasn't my intention of going out there and dating around everywhere. Right. I just, I just wanted to find one person to be happy with. Right. So and luckily he was like, he was right there. <laughs>
0: So, what did you guys uh, first date kind of look like? Did that sort of evolve, or did, did was there a formal ask? No, on the date? it
1: didn't. It just kind of, we went out as friends, of course. And
0: uh, air quotes.
1: No, honestly, it was weird because he's <laughs> just like, "Hey," because there was a bunch of us that were like, "You guys want to go get a bite to eat after work or whatever?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So we all hung out. We went to go to, went to Applebee's, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of left afterwards. And we just sat there and we just kept talking and like. Four hours later, I was like, Holy cow, I can't believe we saw her for four hours. <laughs> and then uh, That's awesome. then it was just like, Hey, you wanna hang out? And really, honestly, it was never like, Hey, you wanna go on a date? Like, you wanna go get a bite to eat or you wanna go hang out or do whatever? It was always kind of like that.
0: It just sort and of then, organically happened. Yeah. yeah.
1: And before you know it, I mean, we never really said, People just assume, like, Are you guys dating? Like, I mean, we're not seeing anybody else, I guess. <laughs> That's nice, just how that happened.
0: <laughs> you just never answer a direct question. Well, we're not seeing anyone else. so Right.
1: And I couldn't imagine wanting to be with anybody else at that time. Right. I really felt comfortable. I felt like I found home.
0: Well, I mean, if you were that connected, why not, right? Right. Like, why would you be looking for something else, right? Right. No, I mean. And that's such a rare thing. You it is. You definitely want to hold on to it, right? No, For sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was, I think at one point, uh, like, it was so difficult like my family and all this stuff, we actually, you know, maybe this is not going to work out, us being together, blah, 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 whatever. That was the miser- most miserable few days of my life. Oh, really? I cried for three days. Wow. And I said, I can't do this. Mm. We have to be together, and I don't care what it takes. Mm-hmm. So and he's like, I'm glad you think that. You know, because he was just more concerned with my family. Sure. Accepting him, and that was most of it. It's like, my family's never going to accept you.
0: Well, I mean, obviously coming from his background, he knew the importance of that, right? Right. Like he knew what an uphill battle it would be if they didn't like him or didn't want him to be part of the family. I'm sure that was in the back of his mind. Oh, of course. Yeah.
1: I mean, could, same with me. You know, he's bringing in a non-Russian Jew girl too. <laughs> right. That's what they expected of him as well.
0: Yeah. What was that like for you? Did you experience any pushback on his side of things or no? Um,
1: really not. Not really, actually. That's good. I mean... They were just like, oh, it's just his girlfriend. It's just a girlfriend.
0: Oh, they didn't think it was going right. to be a marriage. Right. Yeah.
1: So um, I went to their parties. I got along with everyone. And everything was just great. You know, it was always fun. And then, you know, as years progressed and stuff, his mom's like, what are your intentions? What are you like? What are you oh. planning on doing with this girl? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, uh, you know, I'm probably going to marry her, mom. Are you sure you're making the right choice? You know, because. And that's where that came in. My mm-hmm. mom really didn't want us to get married either. So Yeah. it's like we basically told our parents, like, we love each other. You know, this is three and a half years in. And um, that was a lot longer than my first. It was like less than two, it was like a year and a half when we were engaged. Mm-hmm. This was three and a half years by the time we got married. Right. And um, we bought a house together. We opened a business together. We bought cars together all before all before we even got married.
0: So you're already making, making plans right. regardless. Yeah.
1: So... For us, it was just like, well, we might as well just uh, make it official. Yeah. So <laughs> had did. he
0: been married before as well? No,
1: he was not. But he so did have a child. He had a
0: relationship. Yes, he had
1: a relationship where he had a daughter.
0: Yeah. So the marriage thing was just more of a formality than anything, it sounds right. like. Yeah.
1: So he was. He had commitment issues, and he said he was never going to get married.
0: Right. I said the same thing.
1: Right. You know, <laughs> until you meet the person to make you change your mind.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Exactly. He was
1: mad at me. He's like, I wasn't going to get married. Yeah. I never wanted to get married. <laughs>
0: yeah. It wasn't the commitment thing for me. Like, I wasn't scared of the commitment. I was, I was committed. I was just like, I didn't see the point. Like, what's the point of being married? Like, I didn't think of it in terms of, you know, anything other than a formality. Right. I, I realize it's more than that now. And I, I have a, a greater respect for it now because it does entail quite a bit more. But at the time, I was just like, well, I'm already committed to you. So why do we need a piece of paper? Right. It's a very juvenile sort of way of looking at it. But, you know it worked out the way it worked out. Right. And so you guys have been together. How long now?
1: 22 years.
0: 22 years. Wow. That's amazing. It is. (laughs) That is amazing. That's like a marathon in in the modern world of marriage, right?
1: Right. No, for sure. (laughs) Especially nowadays.
0: What is the average marriage today? I don't even know. It's it's got to be short. It is less than
1: 10 years, I think.
0: Yeah. 50% ended divorce Then the others. I mean, geez. That, yeah. that's really going to drag the average down.
1: Well, I think the funny thing was I was the only person, I feel like I was the only person in my, I went to my 10-year reunion with him, my 20-year reunion with him, now my 30-year reunion I'm going with him. And I feel like I was the only one the same date. <laughs> <laughs> me and my girlfriend were talking about that the other day because we've known each other since third grade. Yeah. And she goes, I think you are. <laughs>
0: there is. Those guys are doing the 10-year upgrades? Something, I don't know. Or or Side steps or whatever you want to call it.
1: I guess. I don't know.
0: It's,
1: <laughs> it's just kind of funny when you think about it when you put it in perspective. I mean, there are some people we went to school with that sure. are still married years and but uh unfortunately you don't see too much of it anymore.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of those things that I mean, uh, my parents have been together forever and you know, it's you know, coming up on fifty years, I think like your parents and uh I don't know any of my friends who had the same experience. Definitely not. And even my parents' siblings not. They're the only couple out of four siblings on one side, three siblings on the other side that had a marriage at last. Last, it's so out of seven couples. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so it's definitely not common. Right. It's something to be respected for sure.
1: Oh, no, for sure. Both of my, both of my parents have all of their siblings have been married. Mm-hmm. My mom's one of the youngest. Oh, your mom's the youngest. Yeah. yeah. So her younger brother um, was the only one that got divorced. I mean, it was years and years ago, but. And he got remarried. He's been with her for 30 years now. But um, both of us come from non-divorce families. His parents have been together for 49 years also. So we, we came from that era. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think, uh, I think that's why we work so hard to try to maintain our family.
0: And that's really what it is. I mean, it is a lot of work. Yes. You know, we <laughs> sold a bill of goods, a lie. And what a relationship should be. And I think that's one of the reasons they end so easily. You know, it's much easier, I think, to get divorced in a lot of cases than it is to get married. It's definitely a lot cheaper as long as you're, you know, not splitting assets. Right. But um, at the end of the day, you know, a couple pieces of paper and a phone call and you can start the process.
1: I know. You know? They make it way easy. to. Yeah,
0: they make it way easy.
1: Just be like, oh, it's okay. We'll help you with your assets. You yeah, know exactly. I mean?
0: We'll split assets on the back end and we'll start the process for a hundred bucks.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's kind of scary how how fast someone could suck you into that instead of being like, are you sure this is what you want? Right. You've done all the, that's the problem is like, you know, lawyers don't tell you what to do all that. No. Did you go to counseling? Did you do everything possible to fix your family? Cause you do have a family, you have children, you have, you know, you have history of, you know, X amount of years.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, and humans are incentive based creatures, right? So, I mean, if you know going in that, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, you can start the process and get out, then right. eh, maybe you don't put as much thought into that person. That, that you should, you know, or that right. you could going in. So it changes the game significantly.
1: I think a lot of people go into marriage thinking, oh, if it doesn't work out and we'll just get divorced.
0: Yeah. It's it's not there's a, a plan B. B. It's not a <laughs> not game. <plan> <laughs> it's like,
1: if I don't win, we'll just, I'll just move on to the next game.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's not that easy. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you got to have some form of, of commitment in order to have the incentive to fight. Right. But if you make it easy to get out, then you remove the incentive to fight for what you want to create. Right. And I think that's the world we kind of live in right now. In a lot of ways, you know, and not just in marriage, but in jobs, friendships, you know, all the rest of it. It seems there's, it seems to be that, you know, people think that everything is replaceable. Right. You know, and it it really isn't if you're looking for that genuine person relationship thing that's going to be with you for a long period of time.
1: Right. You're absolutely right. I have a handful of friends that I'm still friends with since grade school.
0: That's such a gift.
1: Yeah. I mean... It's crazy, you know, because you ask people, like, who's your oldest friend? You know, Mm -hmm. they would say, like, maybe 15 years. And, like, I can honestly say I I still have friends from, you know, third grade. You know, most of the people I connect with, I mean, I connect. Mm -hmm. You know, I give them everything. Yeah. I'm, you know, all or nothing. For sure. You know, sometimes, I'm not for everybody, though. You know, it's like you either, (laughs) you either, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty easygoing, but I'm, uh, I have a strong personality, Mm-hmm. So, and that might be, it's, it's too much for some people sometimes. Of course. So, and that's okay. It is okay. I didn't that. used to think that growing up. I was like, I felt like everybody had to like me and mm. you had to have all these friends because uh, the one who wins with, you know, one who has the most friends wins, right? Yeah. I don't feel like that anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. She who dies with the most toys and friends wins.
1: No. Yeah. That's why I feel like we grew up with that kind of, mm-hmm. but I don't feel that by any means. As yep. long as I have my few you know, really close knit friends. I feel like I'm the richest
0: person ever. Yeah. I, I think that creates so much anxiety for people though. Yes. You know, having that belief. I know when I was in high school, I was insecure as, as all hell, right? Like right. I totally didn't get it. And, you know, I ran through a couple of different circles. You know, I, I was kind of like on the in crowd and the smart crowd and the athlete crowd. I just kind of ran between because I never really felt like I fit in any of them. Right. And so I would stand with them and laugh at their stupid jokes, but at the end of the day, I felt like, you know, what am I doing here?
1: That's how I felt. Really? Yeah. And that was, you know, it was, it was awkward Like I didn't, I felt like I didn't fit in with anybody.
0: Yeah. I think just that desire for approval right. leads to so much anxiety and so many bad decisions. You know, like I think of all the time I wasted spending with people I really didn't want to spend time with right. because I thought that it would make me whole in some way. And it man, it, it was a big chunk of my high school that I could have been doing something much more productive. I know,
1: right?
0: <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's
1: definitely the, that's definitely the case.
0: -hmm. So you guys, 22 years, yes. kudos, amazing. Congratulations thank on you. That. That's a, a true accomplishment, seriously, yes. and um, I wish you many, many more. Thank you.: But it, I understand it hasn't always been sunshine and rainbows and no. lollipops and ice cream.
1: We've always um, we've always been best friends, too, on top of it. like we were friends starting, mm-hmm. and which evolved, and um, like everybody else young, everybody parties, has a good time. And, um, you know, and, and, my degree is like psychology background too. So sure. I went and did abnormal psych. So yeah, I got a lot of the understanding, a little thing of, I've never experienced myself a lot of different things. Never had specific traits of being addicted to anything or just like I had fun I did stuff and I was like, hey, next. Now what? You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I let things go and, um, we partied, had a good time and when it was time to get married, I was like, hey Okay. Now it's time to like settle down, get married, have babies, all that kind of stuff. And that's where I was headed. And uh, that's not quite the route um, my husband was going. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize, you know, at the time that it was more self-medicate for him for his own insecurities and, you know, covering up how he felt inside. Even though I made him happy, Mm -hmm. someone can't make you truly happy and full inside. You have to do that yourself.
0: So you say he was, he started, he began self-medicating for what reason though?
1: Um, just, I think just the stresses of a family and mm. taking care of us, making sure that we were provided for. And even though I was working, I was going to go, you know, we had both decided once we had kids that I would go part-time and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just think, but he, he's from early on in his life, he kind of self medicated he partied like I said, like most people did, but as you grow up, you quit, but it wasn't like his chemical Sure. So he struggled with a lot of that for a long time. But,
0: um. Just trying to deal with the stresses of, like, of being a, lot a father of and a husband. and Just
1: a lot of insecurities of himself. Okay. You know, he he was raised, like I said, he was raised in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. He came over, he was like, he was seven, but he remembers a lot of it. And, um, I just think internally and, and probably some genetics in there too at some point. But, um. It wasn't until, so I was busy having babies and doing all that stuff. By the time I realized that, you know, he wasn't quite there yet.
0: He was struggling. He was
1: struggling. Yeah. And I just told him at that point, too, I was like, I can't, I can't have that. And I said, you know, I want you in our lives, but we can't have all that in our lives. Right. So it was either pretty much, you know, us or nothing else, you know. And that's when he's like, okay. And he chose us. So, but it was it was a struggle to that point. And my son was two. He's 13 now. Right. But um, never looked back. Mm-hmm. So it was never an issue. But then um, realizing that, um, like, depression and anxiety took over.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people struggle with depression and anxiety, and they, they numb out in different ways. So, like, you could say addiction has to do with, you know, a chemical substance, but you can be just as addicted to food or just right. as addicted to Netflix Correct. or just people as addicted to your phone or... Whatever the thing is that distracts you from the thing that you're experiencing, you know, and that's the thing that people don't understand. They think, well, if I'm not taking drugs or drinking too much, then I'm not necessarily addicted. Right. Well, maybe not, but you're still numbing out to what you need to experience. to. And
1: that's the thing. No one's truly an addict. Right. They're just trying to feel better. They're just trying to numb out the pain that they're experiencing.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So
1: they're not bad people. No. They just never been the guidance to, to help fix the problem that they have the right way.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a form, I think, of just avoiding what it is that you need to face in some way, shape or form. There's a deficiency or there's a lesson that we haven't learned. You know, I've seen this in a couple of people in in my family as well, you know, and it's it's never easy, of course, to watch someone struggle with that. And you don't want to be the one to remind them, hey, (laughs) this isn't serving you because that's going to end up in backlash in some way, shape or form. But by the same token, you don't want to see them destroy themselves either. Right. So you know, when, when you're looking at your relationship and how your husband came through this, this addiction piece or whatever you want to call it, self-medication piece, you know, what did that look like for him? You know, how did you guys survive that? I know there's people out there struggling with the same thing.
1: Well, I mean, I finally, I mean, I did that tough love thing. Mm. I said, either you get the proper help to deal with this the proper way, or, you know, we have to move on without Mm. you. And it was, it was hard. And like, I don't want to do that right? because we love you. You've always been, you know, no matter what he went through, he still took care of us. Sure. I just didn't want that in our lives.
0: No, I understood. I wanted
1: to break the cycle.
0: And how did he receive that though? When you had that conversation with him?
1: Um, he said, okay. <laughs> I mean, really? He, he didn't he, fight it at all? No, nope. wow. that was it. He was done. And I, I said, I, I, I said, I was done because I didn't want to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to deal with it. I never experienced any of that stuff in my life. We didn't have that in my family. Right. We didn't deal with alcoholism or drugs or any of it. Sure. And, um, and it wasn't an issue for me. So I couldn't understand that you can't just stop stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, to me it was like, okay, you had fun, you partied. Okay, okay now it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. But some people just can't
0: well you said during this time period you were busy having babies so yeah obviously raising kids right. birthing children and then you kind of wake up to the fact that he's dealing with some issues right, right?
1: so I guess I kind of neglected him in some way
0: well maybe but I'm, I'm more curious about like how that impacted your relationship did you did you guys uh like stop communicating during that time period or was, was
1: covered it up really well
0: oh really so it was kind of hidden from you in a way
1: yeah so it wasn't then I just found different things all of a sudden I'm like wait that's not, that's not right. <laughs> you know, so I just started to notice different things. And,
0: um. Like, what were you seeing that were clues?
1: Um, I think I had just actually found some stuff too. Oh, okay. And so, I was like, um, what is this? Why do you have this? Mm-hmm. And, um, maybe, because we're not huge drinkers. So I was noticing a little bit more of drinking, and I think cause to counteract his, mo- his emotions or what he was doing. And, um, that's how I finally, that's how I finally found out, you know, I guess I just was blinded to it, or you just want to be, love is blind, right? Right. So you just want to be blinded to what was probably obvious. Mm-hmm. But I was so, I was so in love with my kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure part of it was, you know, him feeling neglected. Right. Because, you know, like he was, I mean, we were together five years before we had a kid. So I, we were just, that's, that's all we had was each other. Sure. And then all of a sudden I have these kids. Now you have these extra stresses of having to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And now- my wife doesn't give me her full attention. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it happens not intentionally. Right. You know, so, I think I mean, I probably had a lot to do with it. Not realizing, not intentionally.
0: Yeah, and kids change the game, man. Yes, they do. You know, they change the game. I, you know, human babies are some of the most needy creatures on the planet. They're yes. basically born premature. They, they can't do anything for themselves. Right. And they stay that way for a couple of years.
1: Yes, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, but then we work through it, you know. He got better. He went to doctors and um, got on some medicine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's where his, that's where it, uh, you know, I started to get better. But but the strain of, uh, like, the depression actually overtook him quite a bit. And um, it was, that was a hard struggle because I didn't know how to help him. So that was a hard, that was a hard deal for us.
0: You mean when he was coming out on the other side? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to handle that. Wow. It was easier to handle with. You know, the other stuff that was that part, because at that point you're like, I don't know what to do.
0: Right. So, cause
1: I can't help you with that. Mm. You know, you, you, know, you have to, you know, you get lucky finding the right doctors to help you and the right therapists or whatnot. But, um, that went on for quite a few years. Oh yeah. So, and, uh, it was a struggle. Mm. So I saw him and you know, at the hardest point, but like I said, he, he was such a strong person that he still got up no matter like whether he wanted to get up. That day or night, he had to get up and do what he had to do, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was hard to see. Mm. But I didn't know what to do. Right, right. And um, that took a that took a toll on us too, because I was I was worried, and I was just trying to raise healthy kids. Right. And not show, you know, I didn't want them to see that part of him. Of course. But of course. um, they. I mean, obviously, they saw a lot of it.
0: Kids are smart. Very smart. Yeah, they know. They know what's going on. Right. So you said that he was. You found some some alcohol to kind of counteract the effects of what was the other thing?
1: He was using.
0: Yeah. He was using drugs. What kind of drugs do you know? Coke. Oh, okay. So like stimulant, depressant, right. kind of counteracting the thing. Mm. Yeah. And so was it tough for him to, you know, to walk away from that? Like, I mean, you said you had the conversation with him and he's like, ah, I'm done, right? He chose, he chose you and the family. Uh, he was ready. He was I ready. Deep
1: down, he was ready too. That's awesome. Yeah. He was, like, he wasn't. You don't, I feel like you don't, you can't choose to do it sometimes. Sometimes it chooses you, Mm -hmm. especially when you feel, you know, that it's, numbing your pain
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and, uh, but I think he was, he was done with it too. You have to be done because you can't be, you know, you can't just stop.
0: Yeah. I mean, the way that you framed it though, like giving him the opportunity to say, Hey, you know, listen, or the ultimatum, depending on how you want to word it, like, this is what I'll accept in my life. And this is what I want. Like. I think that speaks volumes that he chose you and the family. Of course. You know, first and foremost.
1: I mean, he never wanted to hurt us. Of course. He wasn't doing it to us.
0: Right. You know, he didn't
1: want to, he loved us with everything. That's never been a question. That's
0: such a huge point. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people forget that, you know, people who are, you know, maybe having an issue with something, they're not doing it to you. Right. They're doing it to help themselves in some way. Right. Right. And we forget that. And sometimes we lose compassion for people because we're not thinking you know, that, that, oh, they're doing this thing to me. And really that's not the case. Yeah.
1: No, they're not. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't doing it to me at all or the kids. He, right. he just wanted to feel better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what was the fine, what, what finally helped him get through to the point where you guys get through to the point where, you know, you've dealt with the addiction issue, you're dealing with the depression issue and now all of a sudden, or not all of a sudden, but over a time period.
1: It took a few years. Yeah.
0: You guys started Finding the right
1: doctors, the right yeah. medication and, um, it took a long time. <laughs> really? Wow. But uh, luckily having having the kids was a, was a stronghold for it. Mm-hmm. And that's how we, uh, I mean, that's how we got through it.
0: Wow, it's amazing. So just trying
1: to keep a solid foundation for the kids.
0: That's so great to hear. I mean, you hear so many people go the wrong way, right? Like you, the story could have easily gone the other way. Right. But it didn't.
1: Right. I mean, it, like I said, there were struggles and we were alienated, you know, from each other. I feel like I was more alienated because I couldn't understand it. Mm. So... I helped to a point, but I was like, you have to help yourself. You know, here's the tools you need. So I was just more concentrated on taking care of the kids and making sure that they were, I don't want to say, <sighs> blinded to it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want them to have to experience any of it. Right. So I tried. I was, we were always busy. We were always gone. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids were, you know, they had activities and I was working. And so we were, we were gone a lot. Right. And um, that took a, toll on, took a toll on the marriage. Because he felt like I was de- I was abandoning him. I because wasn't. you weren't there right,
0: all the time, you know, right, kind of a thing.
1: I guess that was my way of being able to deal with it, too. Mm. Keeping busy with the kids. And not, you know, I felt like we're grown-ups. You should know what to do. Mm. But, I mean, it's, it's not that easy.
0: No, it isn't. It isn't.
1: You know, as long as someone, they need to feel like they have something that they're striving for. Right. So, me kind of being gone a lot. I was like, well, what do I have to strive for? Sure. So it took a lot of my, I had to work on things too. So it was just him. I had to work on me. I had to work on the way I thought about stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's part of the battle itself is realizing that um, partly, you know, you're responsible too. some ways. You can't put the blame on everybody else, you know, the other person all the time. And like they're going through their stuff. I'm going through my stuff and, you know, they don't do it on purpose to make you feel the way you do. Right. So I had, you know, I went to go get help to figure that out. You know, I had to be a stable parent mm-hmm. and understand that I have to own up to my stuff, too.
0: And what did you learn about yourself during that time period?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think growing up, I was just like you kind of just, you know, sweep things under the rug. Yeah. Like pretend like it's not happening. I think oh, I yeah. did a lot of that. Yeah. I just kind of was like, you know, what if I just keep busy with the kids, it's just not happening.
0: It's almost like an avoidance of it. Right. It's not in my field of vision right now, so right. it doesn't exist kind of a thing. Right. Yeah.
1: So I was wrong in that aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't do that. Right. You have to, you know, you have to face it head on. Mm. You, know, you have to fix the situation, not just avoid it. Mm. So.
0: Was it a tough transition for you to realize that, hey, you know what? I've got to take this stuff head on. I've got to deal with my relationship and my family head on and, you know, start taking steps to to make things the the way that I want them to be. Was that something that you, you naturally gravitated toward once you realized that that Um, it had been sort of outside your field of vision?
1: I took a little bit of time. Yeah. Like I had to, you know, I went and I went to, I went to go see somebody, you know, I was like, you know, that's when I, you know, started working out, trying to use that energy and that to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. That was my self-medicate. Okay. Working out was doing that, but it wasn't enough. So I also had to go, you know, I went to go see somebody to talk to and, you know, they made me realize that, you know, what you're doing is great. You know, you're working out, you're not drinking, you're not doing drugs, you're not doing any of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I still wasn't happy. You know, it was helping, you know, I was feeling great, feeling good about myself. You know, I lost a ton of weight. I was creating, you know, an example for my kids. This is what you do, you know, I take care of you, I go to work. You go work out. You make yourself feel better. You eat good, but um, I was lacking on, you know, being a great wife. Mm. I was being a good mom and taking care of myself, but I wasn't giving him my full attention. Like I should have. I just was. I guess I was just hurt, or I didn't know what to do. I guess but that's what it was. Yeah. I felt at a loss. Yeah. So that was more on like, um, how can you not know what to do, Rita?
0: You know. Are you felt guilty for not knowing what to do, or maybe a little bit. Yeah. Is that what it was? Probably. Some of it anyway?
1: Yeah, I think so because like, um,
0: like you, like you should have been able to solve the problem kind of a thing.
1: Well, I think that's just my mentality of growing up.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah. You Cause know? hard work fixes everything. Right.
1: <laughs> so I was, I guess I was running away. I see. Taking care of the kids, being gone with their activities, working out, running races all of a sudden, you know, I found stuff that made me happy. Right. That doesn't fix your home. No. It fixes you, this makes is, you stronger. But that's what brought me to the capability of, like, go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can help you rationalize all of it.
0: Was that a hard step for you to take? No. No?
1: That's my background. I mean, that's why I went to school for, psychology.
0: Yeah. So. I, yeah. I know. I mean, I don't I know. I just didn't think I had to. Yeah, for sure.
1: And then I got to a point where, like, I probably need someone everybody to help me has advocate to. this. Yeah. Everybody has For Every, sure. Everyone can benefit from a good right. conversation. Well, yeah. psychologists have psychologists. Of you know what I mean? Like, good therapists have therapists.
0: Yeah. Because that's a lot
1: to, that's a lot to wear on yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a coaching session, really. Correct. I mean, great great athletes have great coaches. For sure. You know, I've got a great coach. This is no different. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. It's a, it's a circle of life.
0: For sure. It's interesting though, that it's such a necessary thing. And there was for, for many years, or maybe even to a point today, there was a stigma associated with going to get help. If you needed help with your mindset or your mentality or depression or anxiety or whatever the thing was. And I never really understood the stigma, like, Everything that people tell me that they've had issues with, I'm like, well, I had an issue with that too. Right. I felt the same way, you know, and right. I probably could have benefited from talking to the people you talk to. Right. Right. But I've never understood looking down on someone because of that or, or having negative feelings toward it.
1: Well, I think so many people are raised so differently, like, you know, suck it up, brush it off. You know, you fall down, you get back up and you just keep going.
0: Oh, so it's like almost like a weakness thing. Right. Like you're too weak to handle it kind right. of a thing.
1: And I a see. lot of people have that mentality, Mm-hmm. you know, and. That's not, that's just not the deal. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not. You don't just get up and brush it off. It's, that's something that like physically enables you sometimes. Absolutely. You know, it's not just your mind. You can't just say, get over this, suck it up. You know, you got this. Cause you could say it. It doesn't mean your body's doing what you're telling it to do. That's exactly right. It's a physical thing.
0: Yeah. That's the thing that I think people struggle with the most. And I mean, I, you know, the word for that is resistance. Like you're in resistance of what you need to do. Right. You're living in resistance, knowing you need to do this thing. And the question always comes down to you. Well, if I know what I want to create and I know how to create it and I know what to do as far as a first step goes, why am I not doing that thing? Right. You and don't know. You don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, it's a phys- it's like a physical weight Right. that prevents people from moving. Right. And I think we they all don't know how to get rid that. of it. Yeah
1: it's hard to take that step like you can talk to it. I mean, I feel like you have, you need the right therapist too. Yeah. For sure. a lot of therapists. Sometimes you connect and sometimes you don't.
0: Yeah. The one thing that, uh, that works for me and you know, anyone listening, maybe if you're feeling this way or, or, or that way you can try it out. And that is like, when you're feeling that way it's just to move anyway. It's like, right. you know, movement sort of takes your mind and, and puts you focused in and, and gives you purpose on creating something new and different, whatever that thing is, even if it's just get up and go move, go walk, go, you know, get in your car, go for a drive, do something, do anything, but don't sit there and wallow in it. Right. And, uh, I know when I do that, man, I can waste days on end just sitting there doing nothing.
1: Right. Yeah. I've done that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think we all have on some level.
1: Yeah. I'm guilty sure. of it too. And then I felt guilty that I did I that. I know, right? <laughs> it's
0: like, it's just self-perpetuating thing. Right. And at some point you just have to forgive yourself and move, you know? Right. Yeah. Which it sounds like, you know, obviously your story had a happy ending. You guys are still together. 22 right. years, beautiful kids. Right all of that stuff. And here you are. You said you hadn't moved for 20 years right. and now you're starting to move again. What caused that? What, what brought you back to the gym? Um,
1: well, it's like eight years ago. It was like right turn, before I turned 40. So, um, part of it was like, I needed to keep busy for my mind too. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the, you know, with my having the issues with my husband. So that was my self-medicate. That was my therapy, mm-hmm. kickboxing, punching a bag, getting all my frustrations out. And so, um, and I loved it and it helped me so much. It made me a happier person so I could go home happier. Right. So I was able to, to get all that out and, um, I enjoyed it. It was something for me to get, you know, exercise creates endorphins, Mm -hmm. endorphins make people happy. (laughs) And, uh, and honestly I was just doing it to like, I wanted to lose some weight at the time. You know, I wasn't, maybe I wasn't having any more babies, can you know, use the excuse anymore. And, um, I honestly did it for my own mental stability too. And I it's like lose weight and help. It's punching bags, you nice. know, it's like that's you getting the aggression out and felt, fin- it felt phenomenal.
0: That's awesome. <laughs>
1: so I did that for a couple of years and, um, I liked it so much. I got certified to be a, a, kickboxing instructor, nice cardio kickboxing. So I did that. And then my friends got me into, uh, like I said, that's how I got into the OCR Okay. like hey let's go do a Tough Mudder
0: that was your first race that of Tough was my Tough first Mudder. race ever
1: <laughs> never not 5k not any of that So like let's just do a Tough mutter. I'm like okay I didn't know what I was getting myself into <laughs> you know it was like 14 miles of like oh my god
0: <laughs> yeah. a very of discomfort for sure
1: yes you know and that's like uh Tough Mudder is like a m- mental obstacle race too. Mm-hmm. You can't even do half of those race obstacles by yourself. Yeah, Team building, sure. but that's uh, that's where it all started.
0: So you fell in love with uh, OCR through the through the Tough Mudder. I did, right? Yes. And did you start? Obviously, you're doing the kickboxing, but had you started going to any different styles of gyms at that
1: point? Um, probably. Let's see. I think I did. I was in. I was doing kickboxing for um, probably for a good few years. Okay. And I and I got in great shape. I lost pretty much all the weight I needed to lose. But I know when I started doing these obstacle races, I was like, I need a little strength training here. Mm-hmm. Kickboxing wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. So then I went to, um, that's when I found, uh, at the time it was Field Fit. It was a personal training gym. And it was like, it was almost like too good to be. It was like 100 bucks and every day, every $100 a month. And you can do, you had a personal trainer basically give you your own personalized workout every day. Mm-hmm. So I was like, holy cow, <laughs> you We know, can't beat that. And that's where I started doing strength training, and um, that's what helped me excel at you know, doing obstacle races. And at one point, I did have the, the idea of maybe I wanted to do um, American Ninja Warrior, because mm-hmm. who doesn't? If you love obstacle racing, sure. you, know, you want to do American Ninja Warrior. So that was my, my, uh, my goal, was to try to do that at one point. And then, um, I, then I got injuries, because I also trained in, because I didn't just do kickboxing. I also trained in Aikido and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Cause I was just all part of the same. Okay. Well, this the is the dojo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, that was just natural for her. Like that's just, that was what we did, right, you know? Right. And once you're part of a dojo, you kind of just train all of it.
0: Yeah. You get but sucked in.
1: You do. And so, uh, actually my Aikido people are the ones who got me started And uh, my Aikido coach and like his friend, close friends and family said, Hey, we're doing this. You want to do it with us? I'm like, okay.
0: That's awesome. That, was the, fir- that was the, tough crowd. Yes. Right, that was right. a tough motor crowd. Yes. That was a tough
1: motor crowd. But, uh, you know, I actually, you know, I know this like takes you off to a different, you know, branch, but uh, I, I fell in love with Aikido. I have a purple belt in Aikido. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. It's been a, it's been a couple of years since I've trained cause I've had a few injuries. But I, ha- injuries so. I
0: have a few classes under my belt. When I was, I used to live in North Carolina and I trained um, modern Arnis, which is Filipino stick fighting. Okay. And one of the guys in that class was an Aikido practitioner. And so at the end of class, he would always make us look silly Yes. with his little moves and stuff. It was awesome. It was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: That's like, that gives me a stupid Kool-Aid smile. <laughs> Doing Aikido, like I always have a shit-eating grin on my face.
0: A stupid Kool-Aid smile. Yes. I'm going to have to remember that. Well,
1: man. because I'm this little person, right? <laughs> and um, I mean, people can't see me, but I'm like five foot tall. I'm super petite, well, you know, we'll, but we'll I used put to- put a
0: picture t- of you on the, on the show notes <laughs> for sure.
1: But I used to, I was training with guys that are like six foot tall, 200 plus pounds, yeah. you know, I'm- 15 pounds five foot tall Like i look like a child next to them but i was able to flip them and do stuff and they're falling for you because that's what it looks like you know they did that on purpose but if you do the techniques right you actually can yeah. flip i could flip whoever if you know the proper momentum is coming at me
0: wasn't steven seagal like yes. a big aikido guy yes and i trained like
1: under a, the same lineage of him
0: okay so now he's like a big fat guy like he chasing stopped, down criminals right in the. Uh, Louisiana, somewhere, right? You know, like he's, he's working just, for the he cops.
1: Stop training, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so.
1: You don't forget it. I mean, it just doesn't stay, you know, you don't keep your, your body and your mind fit.
0: Yeah, well, as long as you're moving, right? Like right. that's the key. Correct. You know? And if you're enjoying it, that's just icing on the cake. Right. So why would you, you know, why would you go a different path if, that, if that's what light you up, you know? Right. But at some point, you got your CPT?
1: Yes, because I loved doing, um, I loved working out at Field Fit so much. That I was, I was so those guys in love inspired you to yes. become a personal trainer, yes, right on. Well, because I thought like a gym was like you know, LA fitness or oh, yeah, you know, mountainside that's what you thought of, Mirrors you know? but, and treadmills, right? And this was functional training, mm-hmm. there was no machines in the, in the building, right? It was all like you know, there was barbells, dumbbells. Um, we had a, we had a rower, you know, <laughs> we had um, Jacob's ladder, which I have one now.
0: <laughs> so the Jacob's ladder, yes.
1: Yes, that's a monster a torture device. Yes, it is a torture device. <laughs> it's like the best torture device. And you device. own one, which I is do. hilarious to me. <laughs> yes. It's in my garage. And I utilize that thing all the time. It's crazy. But um the strength that I that I came upon doing just functional fitness mm-hmm. was unbelievable to me. Natural. You know, it was clean eating. You know, I came I met a friend who helped me start clean eating and and then training with these guys. You know, I got to a point where I was squatting 205. I was like, how am I doing that? Oh, my gosh.
0: Right. What do you yeah. weigh, like 90 pounds or something like that?
1: 115.
0: Oh, please. When you're wet, maybe. Soaking Stop wet. Stop it.
1: I do. It's <laughs> muscle. <laughs> um, bad, and I could never do a pull-up when I started there. And uh, they had me doing pull-ups with chains around my neck. Like, uh-huh. I just it, just, it takes time. Sure. It, wasn't, it didn't happen overnight. But I was like, okay, it's time to put a chain on around your neck and do some pull-ups. I'm like, wait, What? <laughs> and I did. I just, I never said no. That was right. the thing. It's like my trainers were all ex-baseball players, pro-baseball players mm-hmm. that had at some point got injured so they couldn't play anymore so they got together and opened up this gym. So these are all pro players who, you know, were trained by the best. Sure. And it was all functional fitness and I fell in love with the concept immediately because it was, it didn't it motivate you. Like, things that I saw, and mind you, I was in my 40s, mm-hmm. you know, and, I was able to do stuff twenty-year-olds weren't able to do because they weren't. I mean, you can. They just they weren't.
0: Right. Too many video games and potato right. chips. They're just yeah. kind They were lazy. Yeah. You they're know? gooey.
1: I was raised in a like you're not lazy. You do what you're told. You right. know. And that's what my trainer loved about me.
0: Well, that's a coach's dream, right oh, there. Oh my gosh. Just shut up and do it. Right.
1: Ryan yeah. would love it. Ryan and all of them would just be like, "Reed, I got a workout for you." I'm like, "Okay." You're gonna do this, this, and that. I'm like, "Okay." I looked at me like, "Really?" Like. Yeah, if you think I can do it, then <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I trust you, right? Yeah. So, and I did it. That's awesome. So, I never said no.
0: And so, where did the Spartan race come into play?
1: Um, eventually, none of my friends were doing Spartan or Tough Mudders anymore, and I was trying to get my other friends to do a race with me mm-hmm. that I that I've known for years, and nobody wanted to go through the electrical wires and the ice bath and any of that kind of stuff. They're like, "Can we find a smaller race like?" That's 14 miles of hell. Like, can we find a smaller race? So, we found um, Battle Frog, which was like six miles. Mm-hmm. Great. They fell in love with it. And I knew they would. So, um, then that went out of business. So, we said, okay, there's a Spartan race. Let's try that. And I had never done a Spartan race. And I did that and had the best time ever. Like, all our friends did it. Everybody loved it. And every, that was 20. So, 2013 was my first. Tough Mudder, and I did it for four years. I did a Battle Frog, and then we did Tough Mudder. I mean, um, sorry, Spartan, and that was twenty seventeen. Okay, so, so this is my fourth. Ago. This is my fourth season of Spartan. Okay, so um, that was it. I got one trifecta my first year. I got two the second year. Four the third year, and I'm on route for five this year. But we'll see. Nice. I'll be okay with four. Honestly, nice. a lot of traveling.
0: It is a lot of travel for sure. It is. So, what was it about the Spartan race that you fell in love with?
1: Um, how it just there's people of all all sorts on the on the field and mm-hmm. everybody's helping each other like everybody's motivating each other and helping you know you had young to old to fit to not fit mm-hmm. and everybody's out there just moving they're not on the couch they're moving right. and they're trying and that's what was so amazing you know and um, that's why I fell in love with Tough Mutter to begin with actually because you can't do the majority of those obstacles unless you have a team so it was more of a team building. Obstacle race. And I saw people just automatically helping each other. So, and it was cool and it was amazing. And I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Right. I love helping people. I'm super empathetic to a fault. I can cry at cartoons. You know, it's just (laughs) how I am. I'm mushy. I'm strong, but mushy, you know, but that's what I loved about, you know, Spartan was like, everybody was out there just having a good time. We were all just one person, you know, it didn't matter who you were. And, um, and there was people out there, and I was like, I can't do this. I'm too old. And they're like 10 years younger or more than me. And I'm like, You can't say that. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, you could do this. I promise you could do this. Right, right. And uh, I, just wanted, I just wanted to help people, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So I got my personal training certificate. And um, at one point, I wanted to open up my own gym and create something that everyone was comfortable. I wanted to create, actually I wanted to open up another like field fit at the time. Mm-hmm. Like let's open another one. I wanted to be that person, you know, let's, let's get another one going. Cause it just inspired so many people. You know, I work out with, you know, 70 year old ladies, six year old ladies, 20 year olds. Like I work out with all different kinds of people and it doesn't matter. We're all there doing the same thing. Right. So, um, and we, we boost each other up and I love that because that's what it takes to create you know, to create a successful world, a thriving world, is to lift each other up. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be, I wanted to do that.
0: 100%, man. 100%. So,
1: you know, if, if, you know, this 40-something-year-old, you know, five-foot-tall woman could do that. And from nothing, you know, 20 years of not doing anything, yeah. you know, to, to be to being who I am now, anybody could do it. You know, I didn't have help. I didn't have plastic surgery. I didn't have, you know, I didn't take the quick fix. I worked hard. This is you know, hard work, all of it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, And you took that to the next level. You went and got your SGX certification, which is the Spartan Race. Yes, yeah,
1: Spartan uh, Coach. Uh,
0: Spartan Race Coaching right. certification. What was that experience like? You went was, to New York, right? Yes,
1: I did. I went to the class in New York, the live class. I didn't want to do I'm not an online person. Mm-hmm. I did my um, personal training stuff online. It took me forever. And it just, ugh, I don't like, I didn't like doing online. I'm a hands-on kind of person. Yeah, I want to yeah. watch somebody teach me. Sure. I'm that person, but... After I did that, and um, part of my gym, and I wanted to do obstacle-type training, you know, with that kind of stuff. And then and I found out that Spartan did, you know, coach, you could become a certified Spartan coach. So with the, with the thoughts of having a gym, you know, eventually, I was like, how perfect would that be, you know? Go get my certification for Spartan. At least I didn't, you know, like this person knows what she's doing, you know? So that's what I did, and I, I decided to go to New York because that was the next live class, and it was an amazing experience. Really? Um, Todd Cambio was amazing. He's uh, one of Spartan's head coaches. And he, he, do, he does mainly the East Coast. And um, and everybody from there was like on the East Coast, but we all felt like family. And it was the best experience ever. I still communicate with all those people in my class. We all interact with each other. Mm-hmm. They try coming, they're trying to get me to come to New York to do you know, the race again. I'm trying right. to get them to come to the West Coast. But... <laughs> um, I was super inspired.
0: So what sorts of methodologies were they teaching at the live class?
1: Actually, a lot of stuff that I, that I, that I was training on functional fitness, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, you know, mind, body, and soul, all of it, you know, and that's what I loved is, you know, animal movements and, you know, burpee movements. Like it's, it was all easy stuff. You don't need, you don't need machines or equipment really to do the stuff and to train hard. Yeah. It was primarily it's
0: primarily like, body, right. body weight stuff. all body weight stuff. And
1: you know, yeah, you can use, you know, dumbbells and kettlebells and stuff, but you don't need it. Mm-hmm. So that's what was like, that was already right down my alley. Cause that's what I was already training with. Right. So I was like, this is awesome. I got this. I love it. Cause it was already down what I was in love with. Mm-hmm. So I became in love with it even more. So I was super excited about that. So it wasn't like I was learning more stuff. It was just, it uh, impacted that what I was doing was already working
0: did they have you guys do a workout as a class? Oh yeah. When you were there? A few. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool.
1: We had, uh, um, coach Cambio put us through some stuff. Like we did mo- a lot of mobility stuff and he, uh, taught us how to use, uh, what is, uh, I'm having a, a lapse in memory here. Um, The hard rubber balls. What is that? Um, Like lacrosse balls? Yeah, lacrosse balls. So we all got lacrosse balls and found spots that we didn't think we had. (laughs) (laughs) He showed us how to stretch properly, like really, really well, use that, our mobility. And and everybody in the class was pretty fit. Mm -hmm. Everybody did well. And he made us like, here, we're going to put you through a test. Can you do this? Or like some people couldn't bend to a certain way or couldn't move their legs a certain way. And after using the lacrosse ball a couple times in certain spots and all of a sudden, oh, wow. I can get down a little farther and right. like little, little tweaks taught us little tweaks, how to fix people. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, way to do five minutes, straight burpees. <laughs> how many burpees can you do in five minutes? And, how many did you hit? Um, I wasn't able to do it that time. Cause I popped my rotator cuff. Out oh yeah. And, shoulder injury. Yes. So, yeah. I had to be excused from that part of it, which I was kind of bummed because I wanted, like, a little bit of competition. No, you
0: weren't. Nobody wants to do burpees.
1: I know, but I kind of wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't want to feel like, what is she doing here? you a can't. spectator. I didn't want to be – I'm not a spectator. I'm yeah. not a watcher. I'm a doer. Right. So uh, – and I had only just entered it the month before at a race. So I was like, ugh. But I was there to learn, and um, I really made some incredible friends, too. That's great. So it just motivates me more to – keep going. I'm doing this route.
0: And what was your overall impression of the live class? Would you recommend it to others? Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Well, it was because, you know, you're talking to people who've already been through it. Like they're in the circuit, you Mm -hmm. know, and he's super, you know, I mean, there's other really great coaches, you know, I know that on the West coast they have different coaches that that teach like the classes or whatnot. Um, But it fires you up. I feel like, you know, they're putting out their energy. I'm an energy person. I like to feel people's energy, which it draws you in, right? Online, you're like, okay. You know, that's how I feel. You know, a lot of people like just doing it online and they get it done. <laughs> I, I'm not that person. Um, I think you feel the energy right. and it just motivates you. And you're just like, mm. let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you're going to do SGX, I feel like you have the opportunity to do a live class for sure.
0: Oh, definitely. Live's, I think, always going to be better. You know, I did the online version
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's just, you know, it's videos and PowerPoints right. and listening to Dr. what's his name? Dr. Dr. J? J. Yeah. Talk with his Boston accent. Right. I love that. Talking about the spot and the right. spot and race. The yeah. It's cool. <laughs> it's fun listening to Dr. J. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's, it's good information for sure. And, um. It's, it's interesting that Spartan is coming on so hard, man. Right. They're buying out all these companies and people right. are getting more and more involved and it just continues to expand. So, I mean, it's fantastic to see people moving and to have some, some quality people come on board and coach people through some of those movements, I think is extremely valuable.
1: Right. Well, and getting people who think they can't do it to do it.
0: Yeah, we've had a cu- couple people from my gym. I ran with a few people in this last race here in Arizona and all of them did something that they hadn't done before. And just that look... You know that that expression, that feeling that you get when you accomplish something you've never yes. accomplished before, and to be the first person there to witness it—that's yes. there's nothing like that. Oh, no, there's not. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like it makes
1: me so excited. Yeah, like you are just saying that gets me excited.
0: <laughs> I know you, you just lit up exactly. I
1: know. I, I can't. St- like I want everybody to do a Spartan race.
0: That's the goal, man.
1: I know, and that's why I became a coach. That's it's right. Like I want everybody to do a Spartan race. Yeah. So maybe like, we at least should one. <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, we got the stadium coming up.
1: Yes, actually I got, yeah, I talked uh, to the owner of the gym that I train at yeah. to start a group and there's, I think there's like 15 of them so far, okay. like signed up because there's no water and there's no mud. Right, right. So that was like, it's okay, clean. that's cool.
0: You don't have to get dirty. <laughs> that's
1: part of the, that's that's a hard selling point for some people. Sure. They have to get in the mud and they get wet and like, I like that stuff. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. So, yeah, but, um.
0: We got to join forces and get the biggest team out there. Yeah. So I'm hitting you up for.
1: We're going to definitely work on that. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I'm excited. I'm always excited about getting people out there. I mean, even the Rugged Maniacs and the terrain races. Mm-hmm. I've gotten people to sign up for that. I mean, that's yeah. not my, I mean, but it's a race. It's getting people up and moving.
0: That's it. It's
1: that's just, it. just to get people up and moving is, uh, is the goal.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how much mobility and fitness, you know, as a society in North America we have lost over the years and see people do basic things and be proud of themselves. It's right. like, it's cool. And at the same time, it's like, really? Like, come on. You right. Know, these are like basic human movement type things, you know? Right. And so there's a part of me that's like, and there's another part of me that's like, yes.
1: Right. Keep going. Right. You know? Absolutely. And I have noticed also, I think in this field, um, a lot of the top coaches in, in Spartan are mature. You know yeah. they're in their forties and fifties. Oh yeah, and sure. they're amazing. They're oh, yeah. not twenty and thirty year olds. They're they're more experienced. You know I haven't been in the mm-hmm. fitness industry my whole life, but I caught on real quick. You know, and I'm willing to to do you know the work to to get the knowledge and experiences that these coaches that I've been motivated by.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean endurance is kind of like the middle aged crowd's jam. You for know for real.
1: Well, I mean, I'm out ultra there races killing are on big. twenty year olds out in the field.
0: Oh for sure. For you sure. know
1: so it's like. You know, I'm too old for this. I'm like, I'm oh, sorry. No, How know. old are you? <laughs> you know, that, I'm not saying that, but like people out there, you're hearing, they're like, I'm too old for this, and I'm like, No, you're not. I'm older than you, and I'm, you know, I'm having a great time out here.
0: Yeah, well, there was the guy that the older guy from Arizona was in my heat uh, here in at Fort McDowell. He was 78 years old. Oh yeah, and he was. They made a point to tell us that he was doing his second lap. You know, I know. Oh, he's going through it a second time. I know. I you love babies? that. Right. He, you have a bunch of babies.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> it was kind of funny. These
1: people are finishing the 5K like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I know, right? And when people are like on their second and third lap already. <laughs> I'm like, what would
0: you do if your car ran out of gas? Like, Right. You got to I mean, walk. I, I know you have a cell phone, but you right. know, what if you, you know, stand in the middle of nowhere and you can't walk three miles? Come right. on. No, right? What are you going to do? It's crazy. I hear makes you. It makes no sense.
1: No, and uh, this year has actually been a more pitiful movement for me because, like I said, I'm, I've scaled back a little bit on trying to train other people because I'm just kind of... My kids are, you know, teenagers wanting to be present in their lives. But my son is uh, of adult Spartan age.
0: Yeah, I saw some photos. Yes.
1: And he did his did first. Did he get hooked Spart- or what? Yes. He's, he's just like his mama. He has got <laughs> Spartan fever. And he's mad at me for that I'm not taking him to uh, Vegas. Oh, no? He, no, I'm not.
0: Well, you got the whole family out, didn't you? Didn't I see the whole family? Um, or maybe not.
1: Uh, there was a, my other friend I raced with. I have a team that I typically travel with. There's mm-hmm. like four of us. So each of them had like family members. Oh, I see. That's must, that must yeah, be yeah. Awesome. So we all had, so his best friend, so my best friend, Stacy, who I run with her son and Demetri are the same age. Okay. They're only a few months apart. They've known each other since birth. Well, we, Stacy and I've known each other since the boys were babies. Gotcha. So they've grown up together. And so they both did their first Spartans.
0: And did they run with you guys or did they do their own first
1: thing? first day? Um, Saturday at the super, we all stayed together mm-hmm. just to get the boys, uh, acquainted with the obstacles. And, uh, mean they've done rugged maniacs and terrain races with us so i mean they're not that totally don't know what ocr is about sure but you know spartan is just one level up there you know another (laughs) level up and uh so we all stayed together through the super and my son was getting a little anxious like can we go can we go come on mom i go we're gonna stay together as a group tomorrow at the sprint you're on your own Mm -hmm. you do you okay i just want you guys i just want to make sure you're doing the obstacles right you know that you don't get hurt and that was it and so um on Sunday, it was kind of a free fall for everyone because everybody was like, okay, it's your own race. Because that's the name of my team, your pace or mine. And we kind of live by that. You run your own race. Right. And uh, if we stay together, we stay together. It just depends on the race. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we all stay together. Sometimes we all do our own thing. But uh, Sunday, he said, mom, it's okay if I go, right? I said, yep, you do, you, buddy. And he goes, are you going to stay with me? And I was like, okay, um, I will do my best to, to, you know, keep up with you. And I'm, I'm still recovering. I'm not fully, I had a Achilles surgery a year, a little over a year and a half ago. So the recovery from that's been a little strenuous. I'm mm-hmm. not getting back to my full strength, but I'm almost there. And so that's why I was like, I will do my best. You know, I'm not hundred percent of my speed yet, but I'll do it. And, uh, he came in a minute and 45 seconds before me. Nice. So he put that fire in me. So he's given me an extra fire and uh, motivation this year yeah, because he enjoys doing it. And he's like, come on, mom, let's go. Let's go. He's not wanting to leave me behind, but yet I'm telling him no go. But he's like, you could do this with me, mom. We could do this together.
0: That's so fantastic. It's
1: amazing yeah. that he actually, uh, that he actually is. Um, he loves us as much as I
0: do. Yeah, for sure. That's such a gift.
1: Yes, it is. So I feel like that there could be some kind of, uh, I don't know, in the future, something. And I think his, his uh, goal is to maybe run elite when he turns 18.
0: Well, it sounds like he's got a good jump on it. Yes. That's for sure.
1: He loves it so much. Sounds so awesome. that's like, that's what's excited me this year. Right. Like, is that now my son's a part of this too. So I'm not alone. I right. don't feel like I'm leaving my family behind. Yeah. He And he wanted to be a part of it. I didn't say, Hey, you're going to do this. He's like, can I do Spartans with you? I'm like, yes. You don't got to tell me twice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. well, with everything you've got going on, you've got, uh, you know, you're running your business, mm-hmm. keeping the household together. You know, you've got your search, your training. You know, what does success look like for you going forward?
1: Getting my kids through high school right now. Like I I really, I mean, eventually I want to really put 100% into like, you know, training, possibly opening up a gym or doing mobile, something mobile that's like, that you can hit a lot of people. And honestly, I feel like that is more of my goal instead of being stuck in one place, you know, and I'm just, I'm just that person, I think. For me, to, I feel like i would be caged in one spot. I feel like I need to reach out into different spots. So um, I think in the future, I'm looking to do, you know, maybe do some kind of Spartan boot camps, like mm-hmm. in different parts of the Valley. Maybe, you know, team up with a bunch of other coaches. Because there's a few Spartan coaches around town, you know, Let's doing talk. it together. Let's
0: we'll do one here in Anthem. Huh? Let's talk. We'll do one here in Anthem.
1: Yeah, I would love that. You people know?
0: got nothing better to do,
1: right? I am all about it, you know, and that's what I love about Spartan is that finding people like, you know, like you and some other coaches, I've, you know, coach Joseph is in the East Valley, you know, and we kind of hit it off right away too. And um, Chris is here in Scottsdale. He has his group going and um, I just think, you know, sticking together and we can it's like fire, you know,
0: definitely. You definitely.
1: can, as long as you can, if you bring it out to the people, you get more people out there. I hear you. If you wait for them to come to you, it's not happening.
0: Yeah, that's true in a lot of cases. Some it people is. just have fear, you know, fear of being judged and fear of their own abilities. And, you know, it's tough. It's a tough it sell. Is. And, you know, when people are as out of shape as, as some have allowed themselves to become. Right. Yeah.
1: They are, they're afraid to make that jump.
0: Yeah. Well, with that said, I mean, obviously, um, and hearing your story today, there's going to be people who will obviously resonate with what you've had to say and what you've had to share. You know, what's the best way for people to reach out to you and get in touch with you and learn more?
1: Um, well, they can follow me on Instagram. That's uh, Rita Belder. I, f- I feel that's probably the easiest okay. way. And they see all my, that's all my Spartan stuff. Nice. You know, and I'm also on Facebook, so that's kind of like more of personal slash a little bit. So the easiest way definitely is on um, Instagram. And it's uh, my user is Rita Belder SGX. And I, I get my notifications right away on that one too. So um, anybody wants to get a hold of me, that's a g- great way. and, uh, I'll give them my cell phone number if they want to speak more, you know, personally with, but um, yeah, then they can see that what 47 looks like. Perfect. On yeah. a field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll definitely link that up in the show notes. And the last question is always the same. And that is what does wellness mean to you?
1: Wellness number one is mental first, mm-hmm. you know, um, gratitude. Wake up every day and think of three things that you're grateful for. Whether, you know, it doesn't matter that Gratitude starts everything. If you can say what you're grateful for first thing in the morning, then eat something hel- healthy. You know, keeping your mind and body and soul—that's wellness to me. It's mm-hmm. not fitness. You have to. You have to have your. You have, your core has to be mind, mind, body, and soul first, mm-hmm. and then fitness.
0: I couldn't agree more. Right. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I I, I love that you hit all three. that's my thing you know that's my jam so I can certainly vibe with that And I appreciate you being here today thank you for taking the time to share your story
1: thank you for having me
0: yeah absolutely we'll definitely have to do it again and uh, so guys be sure and reach out to Rita if you're interested in learning more about Spartan races getting some coaches learning a little bit more about her story or how she and her family personally overcame some obstacles be sure and reach out and ask those questions as well if that's you and we will see you guys in the next episode have a great night That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys, and if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing, and by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, and if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com, or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.